Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the Hour of Truth with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, brought to you on the third Tuesday monthly from 1 to 2 p.m. Aetherius Radio Live is hosted by the wonderful Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. They always have an amazing show prepared with wonderful topics such as karma, UFOs, the Mother Earth, the New World, the Next Master, and more. They invite you to discover the cosmic message for this age, revealed through legendary master of yoga and world-renowned medium, Dr. George King, between 1954 and 1997. So without further ado, I give you your hosts, Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Good morning, Courtney. Hello, Thank Courtney, you. and that was the wonderful Courtney, I think we should say. Yeah, I was just thinking, <laughs> the wonderful Richard Lawrence, they have the wonderful Courtney, yes, that's a good idea. <laughs> and the wonderful Chrissy, I mean, this is the real appreciation <laughs> society here. <laughs> and all our uh, wonderful guests, all our wonderful indeed, people listening. Indeed, uh, fantastic <laughs> listeners. It's so nice, and to, by the way, talking of that, to hear from listeners, which we've done, uh, you know, here and there, they come in, say how, how much they appreciate it, and that's, that's encouraging for us, isn't it, Chrissy, because... Uh, you know, there's nothing we want to do more than share the jewels uh, which the Ethereum Society has in its teachings. Absolutely. And it's so nice to hear from people. It's very kind of them to take the time. We do appreciate it Indeed. very much. So don't hold we, back. If you have a comment, please share it with us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and talking of that, we have an absolute jewel today. And I, I don't know about you, Chrissy, but I've really been looking forward to this show. Absolutely, yes. A fantastic um, kind of new beginning this this uh, this meditation is, isn't it? It's a, it is. It's a revelation. It's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. So this is one of the it is one of the more advanced, one of the most advanced, I say, Chrissy, and and mystical transmissions that we uh, have been privileged to receive through the outstanding mediumship of of our beloved master, Dr. George King. And it was delivered on the 2nd of May, 1958, by Mars Sector 6, the same great intelligence that delivered later the Nine Freedoms. It is available um, by download through our website. It's published in one of the early Cosmic Voices, actually issue 17, which is the August-September 1958 issue. But it's quite a short transmission, so we're going to go through it stanza by stanza, um, obviously, we've been helped tremendously by the, the wisdom of uh, His Eminence, uh, George, for Dr. George King, uh, His Eminence being, of course, his Archbishopric title, um, who gave an, an insight, into, a fantastic insight into this in one of his lectures on the subject. Yes, absolutely. I thought, Chrissy, it would be a good thing to start with really what meditation is. And I've, I've got, there's a fantastic quote, which is actually in uh, the second edition of Realize Your Inner Potential, from Michelangelo, which I thought mm. was very applicable to this. He said, the greater danger for most of us is not that our aim is too high and we miss it, but that it is too low and we reach it. And oh, boy, is brilliant. this true. It's a fantastic quote anyway, but it's, it's so true of meditation. I think the aim uh, of meditation, it's a word that means so many different things to different people. Uh, Dr. King was explicit in, in what true meditation really is, which is samadhi, which is uh, experienced by very, very, very few people upon earth. 
but which is a goal which we will all one day experience. But the use of the word now, I mean, talk about setting your aim very, very low. Um, it, it can be anything from just relaxation and dealing with stress. Don't get me wrong. I, I, this is a very essential thing for many people. I've taught it myself and written about it um, all the way through, probably at best to a sort of a deep contemplation. But the real essence of meditation, which we're all headed for, and I, for one, and I think you for two, Chrissy, haven't experienced this yet, no. uh, namely samadhi, is what it really is. And mm. if we don't, as Michelangelo says, if we don't have that aim, then we're, we, you know, we will we'll miss it. We won't get there. We'll, we'll reach a lower stage. I mean, the uh, same is true, I think, and we've talked about this before, of enlightenment. There are a number of teachers, some extremely well-known teachers out there, who claim to have experienced enlightenment. And it's a big shame, because I'm going to be blunt without naming any of them, and some of them are very, very well-known people. Uh, they haven't. They've experienced something significant for sure, something maybe wonderful for sure. Um, and they think it's enlightenment, but the danger there is that they and the people who are taught by them, again, they fall into the Michelangelo trap or the trap that he identified. They, they lose the aim for true enlightenment, which is much higher than this stage. And with meditation, of course, I mean, there are, there are various yardsticks. I mean, first of all, you have to have raised whether you're fully aware of this or not. And I do believe there are certain individuals, especially uh, occasionally in the West, as I say, I think there are very few who have done it. Wordsworth might be one, I don't know, who've had somatic conditions without knowing they were somatic conditions or if even if perhaps never heard of Kundalini, they know some of the effects that they've experienced. Let me, let me read, if I may, Chrissy, a, a poem uh, here, or some lines from a poem by Wordsworth, because it's a great illustration of this. Someone who'd never had access to Eastern wisdom, teachings on Kundalini or Samadhi, and he wrote a poem at Tinton Abbey, Wordsworth, and these were his words. He talks about this, that serene and blessed mood in which the affections gently lead us on until the breath of this corporeal frame and even the motion of our human blood almost suspended we are laid asleep in body and become a living soul while with an eye made quiet by the power of harmony and the deep power of joy we see into the life of things i mean it's a fantastic quote anyway but what's interesting yeah. is it shows the universality of these states of, you know, of consciousness. Uh, he talks about an eye, and I'm sure he'd never heard of the Christ Center or the, even the third eye, which people, of course, would nowadays, uh, because in 18th century England, you, unless you were perhaps you know, able to reach certain mystical texts, you just couldn't get that certainly yogic knowledge hadn't come here. Um, and yet it's a universal state, so that's a bit of a long-winded thing. But the true meditation, I mean, the hallmark of someone who's really enlightened, who's really entered samadhi, they will have had definite powers. You, you can discriminate carefully uh, by some of the people who claim to have, have entered such states if they haven't, in one way or another, experienced real significant psychic or mystical powers uh, then they haven't. 
It's as simple as that. Now, the powers aren't the goal. They should never be the goal. If they become the goal, you've got lost. But they will happen along the way. So that's one acid test. Another acid test, and this is more controversial, uh, but Dr. King was very explicit about it. He said not one in a million could enter the deep, deeper states of meditation without being celibate. Mm. Now, I mean, <laughs> that isn't going to be popular, but yeah. it's certainly not a unique teaching to Dr. King. I mean, Swami Sivananda is much more explicit about it, um, as is um, Swami Vivekananda. And, of course, it's one of the first steps of Raja Yoga with Sri Patanjali and so on. So it, these are some of the, the hallmarks by which people can, can judge, and there are very good reasons for them. And then, of course, another one, the biggest perhaps of them all, certainly the most important of them all, is are they living a life of real active service? Which I think brings us on, Chrissy, to where does meditation fit in this age? Yes, um, it's... Well, it's interesting that um, this meditation was given in 1958 for this coming age. Mm. And in the previous age, uh, the age of Pisces, we'd reach a stage, I think, scientifically and so forth, where everything was set in stone. And uh, there were very definite laws and definite ways of thinking. Whereas now, as we listen to quantum physicists even, mm -hmm. we begin to understand that nothing is actually set and everything is changing and everything we thought was true is not necessarily true. And, and I think this meditation really um, takes it a lot further, obviously, um, but it's kind of along those lines as, as mm. expanding our consciousness and helping us in this coming age to uh, not see things in such definite mathematical, scientific terms as we had previously thought, but is opening up and expanding our consciousness to under, begin to understand the uh, true metaphysics and beyond that, the sort of cosmic uh, approach to life, uh, uh, the true approach to life. True. Um, and, and the other point I would also make, you know, is that meditation is no longer the order of the day. Right, it's right. Still, it's still something we should all aspire to. It's still something we should be practicing. I mean, the, uh, the first step is concentration, the second, contemplation, and then meditation. And there's a lecture of that title, Concentration, Contemplation, Meditation. You can obtain it through uh, ethereus.org by Dr. George King. Absolutely brilliant. And it's, it's something we should be striving for and working towards and, and practicing. But it's not the order of the day. Indeed, if, if people were only doing meditation or trying to meditate and not serving humanity in some form, they wouldn't achieve the goal now. So that's a big reorientation, whereas a thousand years ago it could have been very different. Yes, very good point. Because this is the age of service. Well, perhaps we should get started, Chrissy, with uh, Meditation for this Age by Mars Sector 6. Absolutely, and I'll just um, read it line by line and uh, in the way that we discussed and, um, yes. and then open up. <laughs> Thank you. This is Mars Sector 6 reporting from satellite number 3, now in magnetization orbit, the Sun. As this mighty orb gives freely of its energy unto all life streams in the solar system, 
so must terrestrial man give freely of his energy to those who need it. Yes. And I think, you know, what a, that just reiterates the point we've just been making. And, and it's yes. very interesting, isn't it, that the first statement, really, in a, a transmission on, about meditation for this age is that we should be serving, basically. We should be freely giving of our energy to those who need it. That's the first thing that Mars Sector 6 has to say about meditation for this age. It's a, it's a wonderful um, illustration of visualization in just a few words, is it not? That, as we know, the sun radiates its life-giving energies constantly, 24 hours a day, giving life not only in this solar system, but we're told beyond as well. Uh, without any, and this is, I think, what we all should aspire to do, to send our love, our energy out constantly through um, our thoughts and prayers and through service, um, just as does the sun. I mean, this Absolutely. Is, Very true, and the sun never stops, does it? Never stops, mm. No. So, do you want to read the next lines? Yes, indeed. To those um, who in the darkness suffer, I should just go back a little sentence before. So, mm. must terrestrial man give freely of his energy to all those who need it, to those who in the darkness suffer, to those who are in this darkness because they will not see, because they will not look through their eye, yet look they only through their eyes, and they see naught. Yes, that's, uh, that's uh, now we're starting to get down to the depth. It's a very, very profound uh, transmission, which I think, Chrissy, you and I must say, uh, I hope you'll agree with this, are only capable of really scratching the surface of the inner meanings yeah. of this. this is, because it is what it says. People should contemplate and, if when ready, meditate on the real meanings. But there he, the Mars Sector 6, is describing... Uh, what causes suffering? Darkness. And darkness because they will not see, because they will not, will not look through their eye, yet look they only through their eyes. This is a theme that will return. And they see naught. Now, of course, the mist, again, I come back, interesting the Wordsworth, despite his lack of knowledge, knew there was an eye. He doesn't say eyes. And this is across the board. People have experienced this kind of vision um, I could be wrong, but I think it might, there might be such a reference somewhere in Shakespeare too, and I'm sure right across uh, culture, of an eye which sees, uh, certainly in e Egypt, of course, ancient Egypt, uh, let, look they only through their eyes. So a distinction there is being drawn straight away between those who have spiritual vision and those who, who only have physical vision, the eyes being the physical, the eye being beyond the physical. And those, of course, who only see the physical world aren't seeing anything. He will explain this more uh, later in the transmission. Right, right, exactly. So I'll continue. Right. Most basic man, in answer to the question, what is one plus one, says he knoweth not. Educated man says, two. The metaphysician says three. The master says four. And so it is. Yes. Okay. Um, if, we, if we go back to um, 
one and two. So most basic man in answer to the question, what is one plus one, says he knoweth not. Educated man says two. So that's uh, quite clear, I think, to everybody. Uh, it, uh, one little interesting thing I'd throw out, that the most basic man who... And of course, this is, this is a real thing, one and one is two, and it's also a symbolic question. Uh, the person who, who really doesn't know, the most basic man, at least he knows he doesn't know, but educated man, he thinks he knows, and he says two. We're going to find out that that isn't the correct answer. Yes. So if you could go on from there, Chrissy, that would be great. Absolutely. When a man looketh through his eyes... No, 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 no. We, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I, was, I thought we'd got to two. It's my mistake. We did. So it goes on. The metaphysician says three, the master says four, and so it is. So we need to explain that. So basic man doesn't know. Educated man says two, and he thinks he knows. The metaphysician says three. Now this is where we have to sort of think about it and contemplate a bit upon it. When you have two objects, any two objects, and they come together, you, there is no longer just two things there. There's a third thing, which is the union, the combination, or the combined aura, if you like, of those two. And this is what the metaphysician will know about. Uh, put very simply, uh, there's an interaction between the two, which creates a third thing. So one and one, the metaphysician will know, is three. I think you were going to comment on that, weren't you, Chrissy? Yes, it, it was very, very clear to me last Saturday when I was conducting a wedding and uh, I did the blessing after these two good people had taken their marriage vows and I blessed the bride and the groom and then the entity which existed, the union, the couple. And um, even though in the rehearsal I had you know, done this, but once they'd taken their marriage vows, it was so clear to me that this was no longer two entities but the third was already established mm. um that was very very interesting I'm their not sure union if you of... like had become another entity in other words yes it was yes, very exactly. clear very and very the same clear. would apply in certain friendships uh in a healing situation actually uh, in something an interaction can take place and something else uh, is created in addition to the two people Yes, um, yes. And unfortunately, on the negative side, you can get the same thing too. A negative energy can be created between certain. Right. So, and, and, and so the meta metaphysician knows this. So that's, that's three. And then it gets really deep. And we, you know, the, Dr. King goes brilliantly into this um, uh, in, in, a, in actually in Cosmic Voice uh, 17, there's an article called The Spiritual Nature of Man, but another lecture that I'd like to recommend is called The Four Aspects of Creation. And there he talks, and it goes into aspects of cosmic intelligences visiting other planets, and so it's a very profound talk. Uh, but this principle is illustrated. Uh, as it, the text says here, so the metaphysician says three, the master says four. What is a master? A master is someone who's done what we were talking about earlier, namely raised the kundalini uh, to the Christ center and entered samadhi. That, that is a master. And that person knows that no one exists as, a, as an individual, uh, just as an individual item, as it were. We all have an aura. We all have an etheric counterpart on other planets, 
uh, they are fully aware of this. So they'll have a physical counterpart and an etheric counterpart. And I, I recommend, again, four aspects of creation for study on this because we haven't got the time to go into depth into it now, maybe a future program. But they are aware of their etheric aspect. They know that they are two beings, not one. So one and one is two beings and two beings, which is four. Uh, I think you can take it even further than that, can't we, Chrissy? Yeah, I think so, because um, um, Master always ta also talks about the fact that, you know, we don't just have the physical and the etheric, but we have other, many other bodies, the astral, uh, we have the, the mental bodies and so on, and, and around us. And so when we come together, um, that four uh, can become six and eight, and he, he says ad infinitum. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I'm explaining it very well, but. Well, I've got his words actually here, Chrissy. So if you like, I can read what the, the reference you're giving here. He says this two plus two equals four, and because it equals four, it equals six. Uh, you know, as, as we were talking earlier, eight, a hundred thousand million as many as you want it to equal, depending upon the state of consciousness in which you want to operate. Because Mars Sector 6 here has split up mathematics and he's proved they are mutable, not fixed. He's proved they're illogical and not logical. He's proved that 1 plus 1 equals 2, 3, 4. It must equal many more things as well. We can see this go on ad infinitum. We can say it's not possible to have one object here, not even two, because this has different aspects of electromagnetic aura around it, and each aspect of electromagnetic aura is an entity unto itself. So if it's like a human, there's no reason to assume that it isn't. This has at least seven bodies, and this has at least seven bodies. He's talking about two humans there. And we add this to get seven plus seven, which is 14. And the seven bodies which are created by bringing these two together equaling 21, and so on, ad infinitum. So mathematics as such is a science which the man who looks through his eyes uses in order to give some basis to his limited conception. But he who looks through his eye knows better because his world is not so limited. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. That's a great revolution of thought there, right there, yes, isn't it? It is, and it's... You know, one I think words are rather limited in this. One has to sort of contemplate on this expansive concept. Uh, in terms of, of, of mathematics, there are, there are always devices in mathematics which really go to show, just as there are in astrophysics, actually, such as dark energy and dark matter and so on. In a way, they're sort of theoretical devices of ex to explain something. And I've always thought, Chrissy, there's a different point in this, that some of the things, for example, one times naught equals naught is a, is a, is, has to work in maths, and yet it's, it's a pretty meaningless concept if you really think about it. It is, isn't it? Yes. And certainly from a metaphysical point of view, um, it, it, it has no meaning really, because no. one is all. Yeah, that's a, that's um, and and I, in a different way, of course, here in a very much deeper way, we're being shown this in the opening passages of this incredible meditation for this age. But I think we'd better read on because the, the, the danger for us here is that we can get so um, inspired by this text that we will never get through to the end. No, 
can I just say, though, that, um, mm. you know, everybody knows this, but the whole basis of mathematics is what we're brought up with. Isn't, as children, we remember we learned our times tables, and mm-hmm. it's the whole basis of our civilization. It is, and yeah. And here it, Mars Sector 6 is, is now creating this revolution of thought, which has gone out to the mind belt. So it's very... It's used, it's used in law for deduction. It's used in science, of course. It's used across the board. It underlines certain philosophy, especially from ancient Greece and so on. Of course, there was a time when it was more mystical, especially, say, right. someone like Pythagoras and so on. Uh, but it, it, it's, you're right. Yes, it's, a, it's something that mysticism does blow apart, really. Yes. Anyway, I'll perhaps... Continue. Yes, please. <laughs> when a man looketh through his eyes, he sees only, he sees only the more basic reflection of the lesser life. Yes, well, I mean, I love this. Um, I want to, actually, I've just mentioned Pythagoras, but I'd like to mention Plato. And there's a fantastic um, allegory that he he spoke about or wrote about called the Allegory of the Cave. People can go into a lot more depth by looking this up. it, It can be found through the Internet and so on, and it's in writing. But he had this great allegory, and, and I'm just going to summarize it briefly and not the whole of it because it's quite lengthy. But he likened people, civilization if you like, to people sitting in a cave who were chained in such a way that they could only look one way, which was ahead of them. And behind them, there was a fire lit, and behind a wall behind them, there were people that couldn't be seen, but they, they had puppets above this wall. And those puppets were reflecting, uh, if, if people are still with me here, on the opposite yeah. wall of the cave that everyone was looking at. So just to, re- to sum that up again, the people sitting there, which is humanity, if you like, couldn't see the source. They could only see the reflections from this, these puppets lit by a, a fire behind them. And um, this is, I think, quite brilliant, really, because uh, it turns out to be really... It, Right is a good example, anyway, of what is true, which is we're only seeing a reflection. We're not seeing reality. I'd like to say more about that, but I think as the text progresses, it will become more clear. But just before we leave Plato's cave, uh, an interesting thing happens later on in this allegory, which is that one of the prisoners manages to escape, uh, gets outside into the sunlight, gets a bit blinded by the sun, but starts to see things, and just keeping it very brief, because it could go on at some length, he comes back into the cave and tells everybody about these things he's seen, which are real. He said, you know, you've never seen anything real. Uh, this is what's out there. And they, no one believes him. They think he's mad. And I think some great visionaries of history, I think even someone like Dr. King for sure, has experienced this kind of disbelief and, uh, you know, <laughs> insulting criticism when he's seen a much higher reality than yeah. most of us are capable of. Yeah, so that's Plato's cave, anyway. Oh, that's very mm. fitting, yes. Mm. And I'll continue in that vein. Yes. When a man looketh through his eye, he seeth not the reflection, but the life itself. Yes. Which um, covered. Yes. Now, th- now this, that's it. So... Um, Once again, we have the eye. There's something I'd like to say about the eye, by the way, before we go into more depth on this. Because I I think this philosophy we're given here by Mars Sector 6 is far better uh, and far more complete 
and explanatory and helpful than the philosophy, uh, as understood anyway by most people, the ancient philosophy of Maya, which some may have come across, or the illusory, delusory existence, physical existence. And I'll explain why I say that. But before I do, what does it mean when a man looketh through his eye? Well, at its highest level, I think we've explained it means looking through the Christ center. But there are, um, as Dr. King explains, different degrees of this. And I'll give an example, which I imagine a number of listeners have experienced. At times, you can be looking at somebody and you can see their aura, or you can certainly see an etheric counterpart around them. If that happens to you, and if you're a clairvoyant, you might have all kinds of visions. I've certainly had a number myself, and, and you can see people on the other realms and all sorts of things and so on. And sometimes, though, it can appear, you're just looking through your eyes. They actually go a bit glazed if you really are aware of it. And something else, you're, you're, I always say you're not looking with the eyes, but through the eyes. Something um, changes. But still, you aren't aware, specifically aware, as it were, of the eye necessarily. But you are starting to see, not the reflection, but the life itself. In other words, not the physical. The physical is just the reflection, but the real life, which is the etheric uh, existence, the energy levels. Now, when that happens, uh, Dr. King explains, uh, and I've certainly experienced this part because it's relatively basic, hence I've experienced it, um, you're starting to activate not the Christ center, but the solar plexus center. And if you do it too much, and I could say that probably I have done maybe too much psychic work in a way. I've, I've been fascinated by it. I've done a lot in that area. Uh, and sometimes I think I should have spent more time trying to go higher than this on, uh, as well. But what can happen is it becomes like a default um, mechanism within you that, uh, you, you know, the energies start to go to that center. So sometimes you can, and it actually can happen also sometimes, if you do start to think you're seeing through the third eye, you can actually be seeing still a reflection or a, a connection with the solar plexus, which is appearing to come through the third eye. Could be that so in certain cases, certainly in the beginnings. Uh, you, in, and if you want to go higher, and uh, you know, I for one do want to go higher, then one has to almost like retrain oneself and, and, and reset one's settings, as it were, uh, so that one doesn't sort of end up in the psychic realms. I know this is, sounds a bit of a, a long-winded thing, but the main point I'm trying to make here, though, above that, is that you, you can, without even being capable of looking directly through the Christ center, start to see the life and not the reflection. Uh, and this can be through things like clairvoyance and so on, uh, which generally, anyway, is uh, manifesting uh, through the solar plexus center. Now, those who want to go higher and, and start to strive to awaken the, the Christ center I would recommend the breathing exercises taught by Dr. King, which are in contact your higher self through yoga and in realize you're in a potential. Actually, not only are the breathing exercises there in full, but also for those who want to take that step anyway, the kundalini visualizations. And this would be one way, possibly the best way, to start to strive to go higher to uh, the third eye, the Christ center itself. Yes. 
Absolutely. I mean, that that's a fantastic set of uh, practices that can, you know, doesn't take too long to do in our busy lives. But if one can hold after that, the end of that six, um, six breathing, um, I found myself when I first started many, many years ago that I did actually see an eye and still oh, yes. actually, um, mm. like a white eye, mm-hmm. big white eye, which now has, sometimes changes colors and so forth. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was quite astonishing because this was when I first started doing them. So please do buy the book, realize you're in a potential and start doing that. And even if you don't see an eye initially, I think you'll see um, energies, colors, mm-hmm and so forth. Would you agree, Richard? I would, and I would like to just to to complete what I was saying earlier as well, say that if you do want to see, for example, an aura, and there are times when you might need to do that, and it might be helpful to do that, uh, you will actually, on on those occasions, need to keep your eyes open, actually, uh, in order to make the connection, as it were. And Dr. King does say that as well. Uh, and then you'll start, you can move beyond that. But going to the, the higher levels that we, we're now talking about of seeing the third eye, and you mentioned seeing an eye, Chrissy. And what I would say to people is they, they'll get encouragement because if they try, yeah. they, they'll get um, at the very least some flickering lights, lights that can't be reflection of anything physical because you might be in a room, you know, which yeah. is perhaps not black dark, but say with a green light or dimly lit. And so it can't be a photoelectric effect or like you've stared into a light bulb and then close your eyes. Yes, you'll see lights if you do that. But no, you've done it from a dark setting and then you start to see something bright in your head or something flickering in front. These guidelines are all given by Dr. King in in Realize Your Inner Potential and Contact Your Higher Self Through Yoga. They're fantastic exercises. They're distilled from probably hundreds of exercises that are out there. And Dr. King, of course, doesn't just take Uh, Some of them are traditional yoga exercises, very ancient and well-known ones, but he puts his own stamp upon them in the way he puts it together and with the affirmations he gives with them and his particular approach from a master who's done it, who's experienced it, you know, and, and, uh, and demonstrated it. And as Richard mentioned earlier, the stages towards meditation are concentration, contemplation and meditation and I find the breathing exercises absolutely fantastic for focus and concentration mm-hmm. um, and many other benefits as well but yes and maybe on that note uh, we should concentrate on having a break should we oh yes good idea was that a, a good link yeah <laughs> so thank over you guys to... over to Courtney <laughs> thank you guys you're listening and hello to, to your husband, Courtney. Oh, thank hello you. To your He's husband, just... who apparently is is sitting there with you, right? Hello, husband. Oh. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, she, he's sitting here listening with you guys, and he's greatly enjoying this show. So, thank you very much. You're listening live to Ethereus Radio Live with host Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Upcoming events include in Michigan class prayer, a new yoga with Chrissy Blaze and Gary Blaze. Friday, August 21st from 7 to 9 p.m., $15 at the Ethereum Society in Royal Oak, Michigan. You can call 248-588-0290 or email chrissyblaze at msn.com for more information. 
In England, there will be a weekend of pilgrimages on August 22nd through the 23rd to all nine holy mountains in the UK. Full details are on the Ethereus.org website. For more information on upcoming events, classes, or for more information about your hosts, please visit www.richardlawrence.co.uk to connect with Richard Lawrence. And to connect with Chrissy Blaze, please go to www.chrissyblaze.com. You can connect with the Ethereus Society by visiting their website, www.ethereus.org. And now I return you to your hosts, Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Chrissy. Uh, yes. I was going to just say something about you know Maya, uh, the philosophy of Maya, an ancient practice, which, in my opinion, and this is an opinion, I think, was probably devised for the meditative path, and possibly for those who were in primarily in seclusion, or in retreat, or in the forests, who were devoting themselves to the inner inner life. And so they were taught that Maya, and uh, whether this is exactly how they were taught it, but this is how it's come over into modern days, is that all matter, really, all things in the world, are illusory. Uh, no, they're not real. And so the only reality is within you. And that could be you know, very useful and helpful uh, for, for someone on that particular path. Uh, but now I think that the meditation for this age the Marseille to Six has given a far more complete, much greater concept of this by calling it not an, an illusion per se, but a reflection. It's not the real reality, but it is something. And it, you know, if you're in the world, I was actually doing a television interview not so long ago and I was asked a very clever question actually by the interviewer who, who said, would I recommend people um, if, if they wanted to serve to do so in physical ways or to do so in spiritual ways. And, you know, there's fantastic service given by people who don't have any spiritual beliefs at all um, in a whole number of ways, medically and so on and so on, and giving relief and so forth, as we know. So it was a difficult question in one way. But I think, I mean, my answer was that if a person is a believer in spiritual things, because very few people are, that would be the way I would suggest they go, whereas more people believe in, in the physical world and that's being taken care of more. But I think the Mars, the Mars Sector 6 year gives us a, 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 perhaps a, an even better way of looking at it because if you are serving in spiritual ways, you're serving the life rather than the reflection. Oh, a very good point. Yes. If you are serving in purely physical ways, it's wonderful, it's essential, Mm -hmm. uh, the reflection still has to be transmuted and people have to be helped, but you are still serving the reflection. Mm. So I just throw that thought out, and I think in this age of service, uh, Marcetis has given uh, something which will prevent people, because the danger of the Maya philosophy is that it can lead people, and I've come across this, to think, oh, well, it's all an illusion, so it doesn't really matter. Yes. And uh, that wasn't a pun. You know, it doesn't really matter. Doesn't so really people, matter. Yeah. yeah, so people don't, you know, I don't really have to do anything because it's all an illusion anyway. And that is, would be completely wrong. Whereas if you see this philosophy, it's more complete. Yes, it, okay, it's not absolute reality, but it is a reflection. And the reflection has to be dealt with. It has to be transmuted. It has to be helped. 
And if, if, if you are working in that way, it's extremely valuable. And many people who give relief purely in the physical way are doing a much greater people, in my opinion, than some very highly spiritual people who just concentrate on their own development. Absolutely, yes. Mm. And we're here in this physical world, and um, it's, we can learn some very, very valuable things too, as well as give great service. Yeah, as long as we also remember it's, it is a reflection. A reflection. Very mm. good point, yeah. That's yeah. A very good point. Thank you. When a man looketh neither through his eyes nor through his eye, but through the Brahmic principle, he seeth not the reflection nor the life, but that. And so it is. So here it's taken up to a whole new, higher level. Uh, Brahmic principle, of course, being uh, sometimes called the main principle sometimes by some people, uh, the Brahma chakra. So when a man is capable of looking through that, the Brahmic principle itself, the highest center, the crown center, if you like, uh, you see it's not the reflection nor the life, but that. And so that that's, <laughs> is an abstract stage. It's beyond even the life. It's that which is the life, that which isn't even in manifestation. And, and, and in that state, well, you know, I, I've never experienced it. Uh, Dr. King did experience it. It's nirvana. It's cosmic consciousness. I would just refer you to the nine freedoms, to the fifth freedom, and to the brilliant description after it, and you get a fantastic description of, of the state. Um, you know, the person who, who, who can enter samadhi, we're told, becomes completely one with that upon which he or she meditates, completely one. But the person who goes even beyond that becomes one with that which is all objects, not you know, not limited to any object, the whole universe, cosmic, the cosmos. So it's that level, and uh, that, of course, is the divine essence, which isn't even in manifestation. Right. Thank you. Very profound, indeed. Yes, indeed. Shall I continue? Please do. These truths are offered to you at this time to encourage meditation so that you may be prepared to meet the reflection when this cometh as a barrier before you. Yes, now have I, I hope I haven't um, stopped you saying points because I keep talking away here, Chrissy. Was there any no. points you were you wanting to make oh, so far not or, this, or not? Not yet. Not so far. Um, oh, good. Good. I'll just throw them in as I do from time to time. Okay, thank you, thank you. Please continue. Um, I think again, I mean, that kind of reiterates in a way what I was saying before. Um, some interesting points here. First of all, uh, Mars 36 is encouraging meditation. These truths are offered to you at this time to encourage meditation. And we should remember, of course, meditation takes place not only on this earth, but, you know, throughout all the planets, and even the planets, the planetary bodies themselves, we're told, enter what we might, we can't conceive of what meditation would be to such an, a being. Um, certainly, uh, on, on the higher planets, they will meditate for over 100,000 years, or hundreds of thousands of years even, uh, if, if they'd be a solar lord. This is, we've covered. Um, and here, we're being encouraged to meditate, but for a reason, so that you may be prepared to meet the reflection when this cometh as a barrier before you. Now that is a, a, a wonderfully helpful 
uh, statement, I think, and absolutely essential. And those people who give service, those people who practice karma yoga in these days, and karma yoga has been taken to a whole new level by Dr. George King and, and the cosmic masters of global service, not just detaching from the fruits of one's actions, but of really making a massive difference in the world uh, to humanity as a whole. Uh, when such a person will meet the reflection as a barrier. This, this reflection could be uh, the conditioning of the world, the thought patterns of the world, the temptations of the world, materialism in all its forms. And if we meditate, we're told here, then we'll be better prepared to meet this because we'll have the inner knowledge, the inner realizations, and it won't deflect us from our path. Right. Absolutely. We won't get so detuned, you might say, by the material world right. that we, in these days, we are actually virtually ordered to live in. We're ordered not to go off into retreat. And you can see why they did go off to the Himalayas or to some beautiful area, ideal for meditation. But that's not the order of this day. I mean, Dr. King entered Samadhi in Waterloo, uh, you know, in, in, which is, for those who aren't in England, is a sort of a part of London, which isn't the most um, seemly. It's got a big railway station. Um, it, it, this is the age of service amid the clatter, as the Master Etherius put it. But we're still being encouraged to meditate, so we're better prepared to deal with the negativity, and this is my wording, we're going to encounter from materialism. Mm. And of course, materialism is a delusion. Not all, all matter is a reflection, but the concept of materialism as being a thing, as a doctrine, um, I think Dr. King said the economic system is, is the worst thing, the biggest limitation in our world. Um, and, you know, the, the, the belief in it, that is a delusion. The belief that it's real, that is a delusion. Yes, and now we know that the system on which it's based, which really is mathematics, mm. is something that, um, you know, has been... Is wrong. Yes. So that too must change, you, could, you know, in this age and will. Yes. Yes. So I'll continue. Think well, O oh my brothers, upon these things. Then you will know that one plus one equals three. So there we have a reiteration of one plus one equals three, and we're told then to think, and I'm sure that means think deeply, uh, tune in, probably contemplate, upon these things, because thought can be a receptive thing. I reiterate the recommendation of concentration, contemplation, meditation. And then we'll know, says Marcetta 6, that 1 plus 1 equals 3. We'll experience it. Um, through contemplation, you can receive energy from the etheric levels in a whole variety of ways. And, you know, you can use clairvoyance, clairaudience, telepathy, a whole variety of ways. We're actually, uh, I'd like to just mention at this point, it's slightly off the subject, but it is linked in a bit. Uh, we're going to, in our next broadcast in September, our subject is channeling the good, the bad, and the others, uh, which is really going into channeling, which is just one of the things that people can do. It's something mm -hmm. I've done, and at a much higher level, of course, Dr. George King demonstrated brilliantly. And, and others have done, and I'm sure some listeners may do, or, or believe they do, uh, but we need to discriminate very carefully, and, and we'll go into that. Uh, so it's at this type of level, uh, the contemplative level, if you like, 
that we'll know that 1 plus 1 equals 3. Yes, and, and we talked earlier about, you know, people coming together through marriage, through friendships and so on, but Dr. King also talked about inanimate, so-called inanimate objects, mm-hmm. um, like two microphones he talks about. When yes. you bring those two together, that also is three, because, of course, everything is alive on different frequencies. So, mm. um, so I'll continue. Live, yes. O oh my brothers, this law, then you will know that one plus one equals four. So be it. I think that's fascinating, isn't it? Because we've been told the master says four. That's a reiteration to an earlier point. And he doesn't say there, you know, meditate on this and you'll know that one plus one equals four. He says, live, O my brothers, this law. Which is again, um, you know, a a demonstration really of of action, practical action. I mean, I, there, there's a particular transmission um, that the Master Ethereus gave at one point, uh, Chrissy, and in it, I, w- I won't go into the whole transmission because that's a whole other subject for another time. It's actually about Dr. King himself. But during it, he says that the Lord Babaji is, um, this isn't the exact words, but it's the point he makes, the most active member of the Great White Brotherhood. We know the Lord Babaji is is head of, political and spiritual head of the spiritual hierarchy of Earth. But the Master Theorist could have said many, many, many things about the Lord Babaji. He could have said that he's the wisest. He could have said that he's the most ancient, the most experienced, the most knowing, uh, the most beauteously beauteously vibrational. There's a whole range of compliments that he could have paid the Lord Babaji, but the one he chose to pay is that he's the most active. Mm, and I think this says a lot about the priorities of the Master Theorist and Mars Sector 6. He's more interested in what people actually do. So he says, live, O oh my brothers, this law, then you will know that one plus one equals four. Not go off into meditation, be still, or anything like that, but live this law. Karma yoga, that is living this law. It will include meditation, but it's primarily about service. Yeah, that's a very interesting interpretation. Thank you, Richard. Mm. The language of direct action eh? yes. in these days. <laughs> yes. So, is there anything else you want to add until I, before I finish No, this? No, unless there's anything you want to add, Chrissy. No, and I think we are quite short of time, so let let me just complete this wonderful transmission, this meditation for this age. This transmission came from Mars Sector 6 with the sanction and authority of interplanetary parliament based upon the planet Saturn through primary terrestrial mental channel. This transmission came from satellite number 3, now in orbit, Sun. This transmission was a special meditation for this age. Transmissions now discontinued. So there we have a most wonderful, wonderful uh, transmission and and a reorientation of approach towards meditation, whereby it's still encouraged, but encouraged in the context of service, and we see life in a completely different way. 
it actually, you know, it reiterates something that Dr. King said many years ago, which is there's only one crisis on Earth, and that's the energy crisis, the spiritual energy crisis. And, of course, that's, again, the life, not the reflection. And all of the missions that the Ethereum Society performs are based on that principle, sending out, in one way or another, spiritual energy. Even the giving of healing is based on that principle, dealing with the aura more than the physical body. And then that reflects on the physical body. But the real life is in the aura, not the physical body. And likewise, the world's problems, the real problems, are based in the energy. The energy that's coming from above, the energy that's being pummeled through to this physical world, I'm sorry to say, from below, and how we counter it. And there are many, many, many ways to do it. And as well as the missions, of course, uh, Dr. King spend a lot of time teaching us to radiate this light outwards like the mighty sun that Mars Sector 6 referred to in the beginning of the meditation. And in fact, just coming up um, this weekend, uh, sorry, the 21st, 22nd and 23rd, the 21st, we'll be teaching you how to pray in a very dynamic fashion here in Royal Oak. And the 22nd and 23rd, through these wonderful pilgrimages, if any of you are in England, um, nine holy mountains are being visited by pilgrims. And what they do there is to send out this wonderful energy, like the mighty sun, radiating this energy for, for world peace and healing. And they really are fantastic experiences. So we have these three days of intense spiritual action coming up. Very yes, exciting time. Very exciting. That's a key word you, you mentioned there, Chrissy, experience. And, of course, over the, the weekend of the 22nd and 23rd, as you say, we're, we're going to all nine mountains in the UK, in, in, in England, Scotland, and Wales. And uh, either on the Saturday or the Sunday, every mountain will be climbed, uh, including, actually, as well as the nine holy mountains, there's a, a, a spiritual hierarchy of earth retreat, a Great White Brotherhood retreat in Scotland. And I believe that's being visited, too. Uh, so uh, certainly over that period, anyway. And so it, this is going to be quite a fantastic uh, explosion of energy out into the ethers. But before we leave the med topic of meditation, I wanted just to cross-reference, if I could, uh, with another transmission by Mars 86, which we have covered before, but we can't cover enough, I think, which is the fourth freedom, which is enlightenment, of course. And in this, uh, Mars 86 spells out the steps that we can all take, and he does say, it can be brought about by all terrestrials who are willing to expend sufficient energy. It's as simple as that. It's not as easy as that, but it's as simple as that. Are we willing to expend sufficient energy in the right direction and not waste it in the wrong direction to achieve this? And he goes through the various steps, physical man, mental man. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be very familiar with this, psychic man and so on. And he talks about concentration, and then we can enhance our concentrative abilities so we're capable of contemplation. And this will bring a greater awareness, and this will start to open the door of enlightenment. And then this is the key sentence I want to, uh, or paragraph I want to, to quote here. The next essential step he can then take is the transmutation of mental energies upon the plane of inspiration called high intuition. This is brought about by strict control 
and the manipulation of the individual's karmic pattern through service, and so on. At this stage, he is then capable of meditation. So it's only then, Marcet is telling us, that we are capable of real meditation. Right, right at the end, really, of the, the, the trajectory, not as some people might think. I've used it myself, by the way, and I, I would again, because we have to use the word meditation, because it's a word that people understand and use. But also, and even Dr. King, uh, in, in later life, did use it in, in different ways. But we should never lose sight of what true meditation really can be and really is. And it's this transmutation, and it's very simply expressed by Marcet to six, strict control, which would mean control over our emotions, our thoughts, our physical actions, completely. Uh, the manipulation of the individual's karmic pattern through service, so those two things, and then this is one of my favorite phrases, as I think you know, Chrissy, and so on. Yes. Like and I, 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 I've been thinking about that quite a bit, and so on. And I mean, I take it to be one does. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's something I'm very interested in, and so on, actually, in that context. But I think one thing that it is, I'm not can't say all that it is, but one thing that it is, is, again, the reflection. It's the things that one has to do. You know, one might have to, you know, one has to pay the bills, one has to uh, do various physical things, one has to buy some clothes, one ha you can't strictly call those service, you can't strictly call those strict control, although it should be done in the right way. But Mars Sex 6 doesn't really deign to spell the other things out. And they're all bundled together and so on, almost as an afterthought, but if it wasn't there. So it sounds rather vague, but actually it's very, very precise, I think, those three words and so on, particularly in the light of this transmission today. Yes. Very, very good point. <laughs> it feels like and so on when you're doing it most of the time. Some of the other things we have to do, and they might, they might be other sorts of things, but they are, if they're not service, I mean, we have to earn a living. That can't strictly yeah. be called service, although we should do it in a, as, as much as we can in service, but there's still an emotive of, of, of gain for us, so it's not 100% service. Um, and, and strict control. But those are the two things he spells out, and then and so on. And that's when we're capable of meditation. Oh, very, very interesting, yes. Does that Thank bring us well. to we're Courtney, to I think? Over to Courtney for the final announcements. Thank you so much, Richard. Thank you, Chrissy. Thanks, Thanks Courtney. And husband? Thank you, <laughs> Thank you guys. <laughs> you have been listening to Ethereus Radio Live. Ethereus Radio Live is your cosmic connection the third Tuesday of each month at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. For more information about the events mentioned prior in the show or to connect with the Ethereus Society, please visit www.ethereus.org. You can connect with Richard Lawrence by visiting his website, www.richardlawrence.co.uk, and you can connect with Chrissy Blaze by visiting her website at www.chrissyblaze.com. I also want to recommend anyone to go to BodyMindSpiritRadio.com where you can listen to all of the Aetherius Radio live shows and archive. We want to thank you all for listening today. Have a wonderful rest of the month, and until next time, bye-bye. <laughs>